Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the TT podcast. It's rest day one at the Vuelta España. We've had a TT, sprints, climbs, a broken collarbone, Bardet dancing on the pedals, and a wonderful return to Grand Tour racing for Fabio Jakobsen. Roglic is in pole position, but the reigning champion has Movistar hot on his heels. Joining me to go through the first nine stages is my co-host Tom. Tom, how are you? Yeah, it's uh, it's good evening, really, for us, isn't it? This is, I think, this is the latest we've ever recorded an episode, even though it's not going to go out for at least twenty four hours. Uh, but I'm good. Yeah, enjoying my Sunday night. I've every week you surprise me with one of these bar day comments. I think it's going to be difficult for you to shoehorn him in, and somehow you do. Uh, so I'm sure you're looking forward to speaking about him a bit because he's been to the he's come to the fore on a few of these stages. Yeah, not in the way I'd want him to. I'll be honest, Tom. It's uh, he was involved in a big crash. Yeah, I know you said dancing on the pedals. He spent a lot of time on the deck as well. <laughs> well, there's no need for that, is there? Um, what I was going to say about this Vuelta is we haven't really had the explosive start that we wanted to. I don't think Roman Bardes had the explosive start that he wanted to. Um, when we look back to the tour, we obviously had you know that wonderful first day, Philippe surging into the yellow jersey. Second day, Mathieu van der Poel the beautiful narrative of his grandfather, him claiming the first yellow jersey of his family. This Vuelta was a bit of a slow burner, would you say? Well, we touched on this in um, in the previous episode, just because, because the route is so brutal and, you know, it's just going to be an attritional race, isn't it? They, they can't go... Can you imagine going flat out when, you, when we know what's coming over the next two weeks as well? Yeah, and it's, I think we're going to find that with the sprinters as this race goes on they will be dropping like flies. Um, let's go through the stages then, Tom. As we are very traditional in this podcast, we will start at the start. I'll be honest with you, Tom, we're probably going to have to whiz through these quite quickly because th- there was a lot of, uh, you know, meandering through Spanish countryside and then a quick man winning at the end. Stage yeah, number one. I mean, the Spanish countryside isn't that interesting either. It's not like France or Italy where you get this lovely scenery. Most of Spain is just a central plateau that is just this sort of murky brown to white colour uh, with with a few plants dotted around. And it's it gets quite boring quite quickly. Not, not, not the same uh, concentration of chateaus and vineyards that you, that you expect. This episode is brought to you by the Tourist Board of Spain. Yeah. <laughs> Stage one, Tom. Uh, Primoz Roglic, very much on brand in Burgos, wins the TT. We had Aaron Buru off Astana looking quite sharp. But I mean, what can you say? It's a seven kilometer TT. Not many conclusions can be drawn from that rather than the fact that Roglic looks up for it. Yeah, just reigning Olympic time trial champion from about two weeks previously, won the following time trial. Not much to say there. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a shock down the bookies, is it? Stage two. Jasper Philipsen takes his first Grand Tour win. That's a nice story. Yeah, it's probably one that's been uh, been coming for a while. He's been there or thereabouts, hasn't he? Um, and I don't know, maybe it comes from the team he's riding with. Obviously, he doesn't get this every opportunity that most sprinters do because he's not on a World Tour team. But he's he's obviously got the talent and the speed. Yeah, and I, th- I felt quite happy for him because after you know the final stage on the Champs Elysees in Paris, where he was sat in the Champs Elysees on in the gutter crying, I was like. Right, we're very sorry for you, Jasper, but you know you can't all win the most coveted sprint of them all. But here he is at the greatest Grand Tour, winning stages. So you know, good for him. Stage three, 
brutal climb to the pick on Blanco, we saw Rain Tarame off Estonia go into the red jersey. Now, Intermarche in the leader's jersey was something I wasn't expecting. But um, also, I think people forget that Intermarche are a world tour team. I, in my mind, I treat them like they're some sort of pro Conti team. I they, treat them as a bunch of amateurs most of the time. So. I know they should. We should like they've got the same license as Ineos and Jumbo Visma. But I'm like, oh, good for them. Good for the and small more guys. Than, more than Alpes and Phoenix. Yeah, they, I mean, they obviously just. I mean, they're a team that's you know strapped for budget. But I'm still like, when they win, I'm like, oh, so good for them to get wins on the world tour. And I'm like, they're a world tour team. Strapped for budget? Is it concrete? Is that what they they have? They still got Wanty involved? Is it Intermarche Wanty? Intermarche Wanty. Gober and don't ask me what any of them. Intermarche supermarket. One yeah, is... I know that one. One is yeah, concrete. I'm sure we discussed this. Yeah, Gober remains elusive to me. Anyway, nice to see them in the red jersey, and probably nice for Roglic to get it off his back. I'm not sure picking it up and you know having all the leadership duties is something that he or the team would have wanted no. that early on. Unless you are just good enough to go wire to wire and never surrender it. Um. I've got a little quiz question for you, Tom, that I'm going to throw in here. I'm very worried about this because um, I'm not sure if it's coming through on this on this episode, but I've not been giving this welter all of my attention. That's all right. Well, this isn't this isn't a welter <laughs> question. It's a general cycling meteorological based question. So, you know, you should Lovely. be on home turf with this one. Rain Tarame. Yeah obviously shares his first name with a form of weather. How many other cyclists can you name with types of weather in their name? Uh, that is a terrible question. <laughs> I've come up with a, th- with a few. I was on the train earlier and just brainstorming these and it was uh, it was good fun, actually. It was very difficult and it took me a while. So me asking you to do it in about 20 seconds is quite difficult. There must be a few snows or hails that I... Mm someone i don't know there's no no one fog i'm trying to think what would be a good what what kind of weather gets put in people's names one of them's quite easy i think which i admit isn't the you know nicest thing for me to say to you that that makes it quite frustrating i think i mean i'm really struggling here what's the what's the main weather in spain i don't know well everyone says the rain in spain no but... no no oh so can we have them in does it have to be in English or are you, are you going other languages no, as well? No, so it can be other languages. And I've got a few in other languages. Okay, well, I'm going straight in with Mark Soler then. But I didn't get Mark Soler. Great one. Uh, which Sol, it, meaning it's, sun. Ca- it's Catalan for sun. What a, oh, what a name. That's a great one. <laughs> um, um, oh, Mikel Nieve. Yeah, I got Mikel Nieve. Snow. Yeah. Um, are there some French ones? There probably are. but mm. I've got a really uh, good French one. Go on, give us give us what you've got. Clement Venturini. Oh, that's nice. Vent, of course, being wind in French. There's a really obvious one. Bahrain Victorious, kind of ruler sprinter. Ruler sprinter, Bahrain Victorious. Italian guy. Uh, what's it? I'm trying to think of Italian weather. He was quite good at it. It's not Italian weather, just general weather across the world. Um, no, I know. I'm trying to think of it, like if, if the Italian words. No, no, for no. It's in weather. English. It's in English. Oh, it's in English. Oh, um, went well at the tour. Um, I, no, I'm completely lost. I'm drawing a blank on all of these. Sunny. Oh, it's sunny. So, yeah, but that counts. <laughs> sunny Colbrelli. Sunny Colbrelli. 
I was I also I did, did not register with me at all that first names could be considered as well. <laughs> I've got a whole sequence of other ones, but I've got another quiz question coming up for you later on, and it will give it away. So, okay, you know, um, we'll save that. Keep everyone on bated breath. Yeah, stage four. Fabio Jakobsen comes from nowhere in the sprint, flies off to Mars train and wins. Now, this is a yeah. wonderful story. Lovely. Uh, yeah, everyone knows what happened to Fabio Jakobsen. He spent the last year having his face reconstructed. So to come back and and win again, uh, well, and twice now, because I know we're at stage four, but we will get to stage eight later as well, I assume. So... Yeah, for him to come and come back from that awful injury at the Tour of Poland last year and be winning on Grand Tours is just incredible. When yeah. you know, there, I mean, the the days after that happened, people were looking at it going like, he might he might die, um, and now he's back riding his bike as good as he was before. Well, it's phenomenal. I mean, he his I think his Vuelta record is he won two stages in two thousand nineteen. He's won two two stages in 2021 now um, and also spent two days in a coma last year, uh, yeah. a medically induced coma. So, I mean, that's a hell of a, I'd say Palmares, but I don't think you'd put the coma on your Palmares. But um, not sure. Yeah, phenomenal story. And it is, it's, you know, very, very inspiring. And I hope his story kind of stretches further beyond cycling to say that, look, you know, don't give up and all those cliches because it is a beautiful, you know, incarnation of that. Yeah, and nice for the Dutch to finally get some wins after after the Olympics where they messed everything up. So uh... <laughs> they still did quite well at the Olympics, but uh, anyway, yeah, no, the I Olympics think they were was second in the, past, in the medal. Yeah, oh, were they for the cycling? <laughs> yeah, and you're still because you've got a bee in your bonnet about the Dutch, and you're still running your mouth on this podcast. Yeah, I've gone for Spain early in the episode. I'll get. I'm going for the Dutch now, and I'm not sure which other countries have annoyed me recently. But uh, if it comes up, I'll I'll make my opinion known. We'll see. Well, no, you might have. I can't air this. I'm just going to come across as some xenophobic. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. I think it's just you know it's part of the uh, the passion of the sport. I'm, I'm making excuses for you now. I'm going to be complicit in your xenophobia. No, so I, I mean I, I can say what I want about Spain because I lived there and everything I said is true. So there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Stage five, Tom. Uh, this is where we had real heart in mouth moment. Bardet hits the deck, slow to get up. You know, looks, looks a bit wonky yeah. on the bike. I I believe I messaged you saying Bardet's down and he looks genuinely hurt, and it was just tears coming back from you. Yeah, um, and you know when I was you know prepping for this episode, Tom, I was thinking, look, I'm going to have to give a few predictions for what's going to happen later on. Well, what's going to happen, you know, coming forward in this in this welter, and obviously the first thing that came to my mind was that Bardet will win a stage. Um, I think he might pull out in the next week. He's going after it. Like this is what I was saying. He has been in, you know, sort of making early moves and stuff. I'm not sure he's got the legs to be there at the sharp end of the race uh, on any day, but he's he's trying. He's well, this is the thing. That. I read that um, the reason Roman Bardi spends so much time out the saddle is because he has such big balls that he can't sit down on the saddle. I was I'm not expecting that comment at all. I'll be honest. <laughs> These, I, honestly, I'm not really sure what to say to that. I think I think anatomically. Thank you very much. Uh, speaking anatomically, that is probably the reason why he does it. He's just, you know, for him to go down like that and then stage nine for him to be lighting it up on the front, out the saddle, 
up the Alto de Velifique. That is, you know, inspirational. Nowhere near at the end. But it's what I mean. It's why he wins the hearts of you know many many you. nations. You. Yeah. Um, we saw on that stage Kenny Ellison go into red, which was nice. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think nice is the word. Really, there's. Uh, yeah. I like everyone likes Kenny Ellison, doesn't they? You know, just a just a small Frenchman. That's that's he's 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 a very good climber, uh, and yeah. Gets his little day in day in red before um, before Primos goes. No, I'm having it back now. Sorry. With that, we had more wearers of the red jersey in five stages this year than we did in the entirety of the race last year. I actually can't remember how early Roglic took it last year, but I would guess very, if that's what you're saying. Yeah, um, I think that's true. Actually, maybe I should fact check that. So Roglic took it stage one, held it for the first five stages. Carapaz, Roglic, Carapaz, Roglic. Just, yeah, back and forth. Stage six, crashes scattered throughout the stage. Magnus Court Nielsen wins that one. And with that, Roglic went back into red, put a few seconds into Bernal. If we're talking about time gaps, we'll come on to that when we start talking about stage nine, because that's where things really started to get rocked up. Stage seven, we had more crashes. Um, quite a big one this time. Alejandro Valverde hit a pothole on a fairly inconspicuous descent and, uh, to put it simply, binned it into the roughage at the side of the road. Obviously, it is sad to see a rider go down, but we are not really about lionising remorseless dopers on this podcast. So our focus will be on Movistar and their leadership. Tom, in a way, do you think it's kind of been a bit of a blessing for Movistar to not have to choose which one of their trident forks they're going to be uh, be be gunning for in this welter. You never know with Movistar. I think look, Valverde's been past it for a few years and has probably just been an unnecessary distraction in that team because he does command, for some reason, so much respect and uh, special treatment in that Movistar team and in Spain. And um, now that... You know, the decisions taken out of their hands, they seem to be not, you know, like chasing down brakes with their own riders in and things like that, whatever their normal tactics are. Uh, um, they, they seem to have put two or three days of uh, pretty convincing, tactically spot on racing together. Which is uh, quite surprising to see from a team that generally looks pretty clueless on the road. It just, normally it just see, I don't know what the um, director sportifs are doing in the team cars but it just looks like absolute chaos all the time with their riders on the road no one has any idea what's going on <laughs> well, this is the thing with the Netflix series um, I don't really know why they gave permission to put that out because it's them <laughs> getting angry at each other and swearing at each other and I mean, it doesn't really give a great impression of the team um, and it's just them not really adapting well to changing their tactics on the road as we've seen hopefully they've 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 got a little two-week dry run without Valverde here to see if they actually can do it properly rather than and nursing to him be fair, I think looking at the way he was he was in bits when he obviously had to step off the bike I'm not sure he'll be back he obviously is 41 anyway and I think this might have been planned on being his you know his Spanish swan song anyway in his farewell race it looked pretty conclusive, didn't it? I mean, mm. I, I can see him going for glory at the World Championships next month in Belgium, but yeah. I don't know if we'll see him back at a Grand Tour. Oh, well. 
<laughs> oh no um okay <laughs> let's move on <laughs> that stage we saw some wicked gradients at the end stora held off verona and sivakov for the win in alicante um well done stora that was a stage where i really thought it was going to be roman Bardet's day so i mean obviously roman will be glad that the win came from within his team but i think part of him will be thinking i got unfinished business with this race stage eight jacobson wins jacobson. again lovely stuff obviously two is better than one i think it probably shows that the first one wasn't a fluke which he'll be quite happy with but uh otherwise yeah you i mean he doesn't get that you know redemption arc twice that's true yeah. i think <laughs> it's good to see uh de Kernink once again i mean we saw it at the tour but it's good to see them with their lead out train just ripping things up at the end um, that's so strong i mean this time we had florian seneschal just tearing it on the front FDJ he completely ripped them to shreds. And then Jakobsen, pure as you like, comes straight down the middle, cross the line, holds off Phillips and Demar and Dainese, I think. I will good. go with you on that. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I think one of these one of the questions that this has raised this world for me is what has happened to Arno Demar? This time last year, I thought he has finally come through as, you know, just one of the premier sprinters in the world. He was he was, was it the Giro that he was winning a lot at last year? He won, yeah, he won like 20 stages at the Giro last year. Yeah. And you think, yeah, oh, like, yeah, yeah that sounds about right, 20. He's finally come good on, uh, you know, any potential that he ever had. And all of a sudden, he's disappeared again. I don't know if it's his team, but his, his positioning just seems a bit off. It's probably a confidence thing. I think we see a quite a lot of that FDJ. I don't know if they've got a lot of pressures coming on them from the DSs there or or what it is, or maybe they've got the obviously the weight of the French expectations on their shoulders. Well, that's as I say, he's French and they're just immune to winning. Unless unless your name's Julian Alaphilippe, there's no Frenchman ever winning any races. So, so Arnaud Demar hasn't had a single World Tour win this season. Um, he's won at the Tour of Valencia and he won a few domestic races in France. But I mean, he was at the Tour de France. He was over the time limit on one of the days. I can't see him lasting too long in this welter. In the next few stages we have after the rest day are a few hilly stages, a mountain stage, and then we've got another flat stage. I'd be surprised if he makes it to that. It's a while before there's another sprint. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough. And, and you know, the speeds are ramping up. The GC is really having a go at it. And uh, that time limit is going to be getting tighter and tighter for him. I mean, if he's not doing well in the sprints you know at least the other sprinters have got that going for them if he can't do the sprints he's going to be even worse on the mountains <laughs> talking about mountains we had our first big mountain stage today sunday we're recording on the sunday this is going to go out tomorrow morning if i can get it edited in time um the alto this, the way this recording is going so far there's going to be quite a big edit needed as well <laughs> the uh alto de velefique I thought it was going to be more punishing than it looked, to be honest. It was, um, it just seemed to be a bit of a slog of a climb. It, it looked more like a quite tourmalet esque bit of a slog, a few little hairpins, but nothing that was ridiculous in terms of ramps. Um, if it doesn't hit, you know, like high teens, then, uh, then I'm going to be a bit disappointed. I mean, high teens is pretty brutal, but um, I mean, it was one of the climbs we'd marked out. 
um, in in the preview episode, whenever we recorded that, a week and a half ago, when was that? A week ago, two weeks ago, a while ago, anyway. And um, it's definitely not the worst one in the parkour for the rest of this welter, is it? Look, there's there's some simply horrible things still to come. Um, but as you said, like day before the rest day, first proper uh, high mountain. So it's just there to you know split the field and then actually sort out who's got the legs and who hasn't really. I think you've hit the nail on the head there with that. I mean, we definitely with today's stage got the impression that there was more to come and that this was just a snapshot of what we're going to be witnessing into the second and third week of this welter. Um, the stage promised time gaps and it delivered. Obviously, Caruso took the glory at the end of the day, but behind it was a real GC slugfest. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a year Caruso's having as well from nowhere. I mean, I'll tell you what, barring Victoria's being investigated for doping, so you're not the only one that's thinking that's come from nowhere. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's true. But um, on a personal, I mean, uh, yeah, we that Giro performance incredible. That he was He was gone early today as well. He was out in front for a long time with Mass and uh, Roglic chasing him down at the end. And he, he held them off quite comfortably in the end. But yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I think I'll tell you what, I think if it was a couple kilometers longer, he'd have been struggling. He he had quite a big time gap in them at the start. And uh, obviously Roglic being Roglic managed to kind of bring that back down. Um, but I mean, he's, he's very good Caruso. When you get him, you know, when he gets the engine turning, on these climbs, he knows how to tap out a rhythm. I and mean, he's very experienced. So he knows exactly what numbers he can do. And he knows, you know, exactly what pedal strikes he needs and blah, 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 blah. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Get to the line and win. Yeah. Just say perfectly managed the effort today, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, behind him, the effort was not so perfectly managed. I'm thinking By immediately. Drop it. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking immediately about Egan Bernal. Now, Bernal was in a chasing group behind Roglic. So Roglic and Mass, and then another minute or so behind them was a chasing group consisting of Bernal, Lopez, Haig, and somebody else, probably. Kuss, maybe? Uh... I think it was Kuss, because Kuss was kind of doing some marking. Did you say Adam Yates? And Adam Yates, of course. Yeah. Bernal was getting spat whenever it kind of ramped up or whenever anyone kind of accelerated on the front. And I can tell you what, Egan, if you're listening, I know the feeling. Uh, you know, I've been out on these club rides that you put down to being character building at the end of the day, where as soon as there's a slight increase in the percentage, those back wheels in front of you just float off into the distance. And then it's just you and your stem and the suffering and lactic acid in your legs. To be fair to Bernal, today, he only lost about 25 seconds or something it probably is it always looks worse on camera than than it actually ends up being on the road because you just see them going backwards but if you can you know once you're there just tapping out the rhythm on your own and you can just get yourself to the top you know he's not lost the welter today he's he's lost a bit of time but it's nothing that is going to end his race well he's still fifth on gc Mm. but for me if i was the if i were the director sportif off team ineos which uh, at the moment I am not. Um, I would be looking, you know, Adam Yates is looking sharp. He's following any attacks. He's looking, you know, he, when he, you know, when Adam Yates three quarters zips that jersey down, you know, he means business. And he was, you know, he's looking good. He's looking good. I would both, be saying, both Yates I mean, brothers just look when they get, when they do start um, 
dancing on the pedals they uh they look so comfortable and then they give very little away until you actually see them in comparison to the other riders and they're either going forwards or backwards but they 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 look very good when they're doing it in terms I mean, he's, of their he's, style and yeah he's only 15 so Bernal's in fifth on the gc at the moment and 15 seconds behind him is adam yates and i would be thinking they're going to start switching places soon i can see Bernal slipping down yates creeping further up uh potentially past Haig and then onto the podium yeah i mean mass and lopez you wonder what's we've talked about movistar but it's better to have the guys there than not but there's and i guess with a, a bit different with mass and lopez because there's almost a minute between them so it's quite clear that mass gets the priority there but so yeah just a very similar team dynamic in place yeah and, and mass is very consistent across three weeks uh i mean he's, he's come second at the Vuelta before he, yeah. I think we have him down as this kind of grand tour rookie because he's never really looked like contending one. But um, I can't see him losing too much time, maybe to Roglic, but not to the competitors there. I think the other big story that's come out of this first week is the leadership at Bahrain Victorious. Now, I said in our preview episode that I thought Mikko Lander was going to be a bit of a dark horse for this race. And you said he's not a dark horse. You know, he's a very strong rider. He is very much, you know, a standard horse. Um, Mick Hollander is now about six minutes down on the GC and he has three teammates above him in uh, Jack Haig, Gino Marder and Damiano Caruso. They have claimed, uh, at least up until yesterday, um, that they are all in for Lander. I think that's a bit of a bluff well, when you've got Haig going so strong. Yeah. what's the point in being all in for Lander if he's six minutes behind yeah if they just keep saying no 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 you know we're sticking with the plan Lander's gonna you know launch a big attack and make it up well they probably wouldn't say that Um, then that just means Haig can kind of just creep along in the background lurk 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 and then suddenly pops up with a podium yeah very possible I I did say this in the in the preview that Jack Haig is a brilliant climber so absolutely on the table for him to uh, be competitive and can go for the podium here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tom, if you are Primoz Roglic, what is your tactic from here on out? Are you looking for stage wins or are you just kind of marking other riders? Honestly, with the experience that Primoz Roglic has, you you just can't take anything for granted, can you? He, he needs to put as much time into the field as he can wherever possible that would be my don't bother conserving energy and playing it safe um just go for it whenever you've got the legs make the most of it Roglic has had one bad day in the last four or five grand tours he rode and unfortunately that happened to be the penultimate day of a tour de france in a big time trial that um obviously no one will ever forget but otherwise he's been pretty much flawless for the last two years and i just don't think anyone's going to get near him mm. well long may that continue for him one quiz question I've got for you, apart from the weather one earlier, um, it is what do the winners of stages two, four, five, six, and eight all have in common? Two, four, five, six, and eight. Yeah, so that's mainly the sprints and then uh, one of the kind of hilly ones. Eight, so it's Philipson, Jakobsen, Philipson, Magnus Court, and Jakobsen. Hmm. Magnus Court, what? Yeah, is it that their names all end in Sun? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> uh, but also, and I was thinking, related back to the former question about weather, 
Sun kind of sad. If we're accepting Sonny Cobrelli, then I think we should also accept I'm not Sun. accepting Sonny Cobrelli. We, I mean, they definitely accept Sonny Cobrelli. Um, maybe in the Italian, when they might say it like a more Sunny. I don't know. You speak Italian. How would you say it in Italian? It's not come up in my non-existent Italian classes. <laughs> Tom, looking forward at this Vuelta España. I think the sprinters have had their fun now. Expect to see them dropping away. What are you expecting from the rest of the race? Uh, well, they're down in Almeria for the rest day now, aren't they? So they can hit Benidorm or wherever. Or that maybe that was in Alicante a few days before. Uh, out, a couple of trebles bars. Yeah. <laughs> Drink some of the rocket fuel they've got down there. Oh, you don't just the and this is absolutely not aimed at the Spaniards who are from there, but it's just a horrible place because of all the British who go there and ruin it. So <laughs> Maybe the Brits could have a good night out. Maybe, maybe who do you reckon of the Brits at this Grand Tour would have a good night out? Adam oh, Yates. I reckon Adam, actually, Adam, Adam Yates. I reckon Adam Yates likes a pint. Adam Yates yeah. in like a shit shirt, you know, buttons, fight the top five buttons undone, <laughs> kind of small medallion there. Yeah, I just see him cutting some shapes, man. Was it that story? Because they're from Bury, aren't they? Was I think it was a woman from Blackburn hit the headlines a few years ago for going to Benidorm and then complaining that there were too many Spanish people. <laughs> <laughs> So he's from the he's from the right area. It's because they probably watched the TV show, bro. I never speak any Spanish on this TV show. They speak too much Spanish here. Um. Um. Anyway, that's not what this podcast is about. I'll yeah. What, I think... No. 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 Let's let's stay on that because I think we can make it about that for a second. If you could go out drinking with somebody in the peloton, who would it be? It's a good question. I mean, Grant Thomas is always just as soon as, soon as he's get uh, at the off season, all he's he's straight on the beers. He he looks like he'd enjoy a pint. I'm I not think sure what the... his pub chat would be like, though. I'd all be rugby because he's Welsh. Yeah, um, I don't think I could hold that. But I think they said after after he won the tour, he was absolutely on it that night in Paris. I mean, it showed at the Tour de France the next year as well. Didn't yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, he went on a bit of a like a six week streak of drinking after that. I mean, so you would. I mean, yeah, you would. And then I'm thinking few of the Aussie lads maybe. Are, there must be some of the Belgians are. are do you think Wout likes a beer? Oh, I'm not sure. I no. reckon if you think you, you're looking at, you know, if you look at Aussie's lads, you're thinking you're Mitch Docker, Lachlan Morton, maybe Michael well, I'm just, Matthews. I'm just about to go Kiwi as well. It was Adam Hansen used to, did you ever see that clip? He used to have a, a pint going up Alp Duez every year, didn't he? Did he? <laughs> yeah, something like There's definitely clips of him drinking mid-race, or the, you know, just fans <laughs> holding out beers. He's going like, obviously in the Gruppetto, go, yeah, go on, I'll have one. <laughs> George Bennett, actually. George Bennett can be a laugh. Yeah. I think for me... And I was going to say someone else, but I've completely forgotten. Theo Gegenhart, I think for me. Well, fine. You live around the corner from him, so uh, you, you won't could. have to go far to meet him in the local. Yeah, drop him a line. So, Theo, if you're listening, hit me up. We'll uh, head to one of Hackney's finest drinking holes. First round's on me. And the second one, please come and come for a drink with me. Please, Theo, please. Tom, we will, of course, be tweeting probably nonsense like that, to be honest. Um, where can people find that? This week, I'm actually going to start watching the race as well. So I will. I, I can get back on the socials. Well, that bodes <laughs> very well for this podcast. But as usual, we can be found at TTPDCST, uh, which is TT Podcast with, with all the vowels taken out. I was going to say with no vowels. Then I was going to say taken out. I was going to say it's definitely not with no vowels taken out. Um, anyway, that is on Instagram and Twitter. Perfect. I'll tell you what, the amount of times you've had to say that phrase, the fact that you've just bollocks <laughs> it up there. 
It's because uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1's just finished on the TV that I've got on mute behind me. So I was a <laughs> bit distracted by Dobby dying. Oh, oh, as you should be. Fair enough. And I, I, if that's a spoiler for anyone by now, then you've only got yourselves to blame. <laughs> Please send us in. Uh, not you, Tom. Maybe you could do it as well, actually. If you come up with any more riders' names that have a weather in them, be that in English, Estonian, Spanish, Italian, Dutch... I'm not going to name all the languages here. Did you? We need. You didn't give us your completed list. That was it. Oh yeah. The oh yeah. The other ones were the sons. If we were going to allow oh, them, right? Okay. Philipson, um, Jakobson. You know those ones. Called no, Nielsen. Not sure, gonna, not sure I'm going to allow them. Clement Venturini was the my proudest moment. Uh, Mikhail That's Nieve. I, I was I, with that. I've always liked Michael Michael Snow. <laughs> on the train, I audibly said yes when I got that one. Um. <laughs> Which obviously you could do anything on a train in London and nobody will bat an eyelid. So, you know, let's leave it there, Tom. Let's watch some more racing. I'm off to the Peak District this week. Um, if anybody has tips for me, uh, any climbs that I will suffer on greatly, that's what I'm there for. Bit of, you know, sadism. So sadism? A masochism? Which one's the one that you did to yourself? It's not my area of expertise, but... Uh... <laughs> Bit of cycling masochism. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to go too much in depth into this particular line of thought. So anyway, I think we can end it there. <laughs> yeah, please tweet me with, you know, your favourite climbs, roads, routes, cafes, bars, I don't know, shoe shops, whatever. Whatever there is in the Peak District, I want to see it and I want to ride up it. Um, until then, Tom, we will, you know, enjoy watching the racing and I will speak to you very, very soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you very much for listening, everyone.